Buckle that belt. The neighbor is already threatening to call the cops. He's pissed. If you get anxious, man, you just pop these little guys. People out here looking like Paul Feinbaum trying to tell us what to do with our hair. In my overserved state, I went to the wrong house. No, it was the right house. Okay. Dive bar means the beer is cold, the drinks aren't too expensive, and the hamburgers are great. They are a unified front in doing their very best to keep me between the proverbial navigational beacons. Howdy y'all, welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast. It is the week of June 6, 2022. Did I sound like a guy on uh Yeah, you sound like the news talk radio station. Yeah, I was gonna I sort of felt like I was that that was more sort of Animal Kingdom, the guy driving the fake me out uh safari ride. Oh okay. Maybe I didn't have enough ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Animal Kingdom. Over here you see the be- wildebeest. And he is doing things that are inappropriate for young children. Shield your eyes with the brochure that you will not read. Marty's here. Wesley Blankenship is here. Travis is here. We have a, an awesome show today, man. We have uh, a couple of guests. Abby Lampy. I don't know if you guys know who Abby is yet, but you will. Abby just won the Gloucester Cheese Chasing Competition in Gloucester, England, which you've all seen on the YouTube machine at some point or on social media as you're breathlessly, mindlessly scrolling through and wasting 90 minutes of your life. You've certainly seen these wild heathen people running down the hill after the block of cheese. Well, Abby won it. She is a recent NC State graduate. She is also 22 years old and the first American woman to ever win the cheese downhill in England. Uh, Can't wait to chat with her. We also have Charles Kelly from Lady A. All y'all know who he is. Tall, handsome, southern, singing fool. I spent a lot of time with Charles. Uh, Before the Masters, he and I walked around the grounds at Augusta National together. He is an Augusta native. In fact, as a youngin, he worked on the driving range (laughs) at Augusta National. And I spent a lot of time with him when we were down there back in April chatting about such things and what that event means, certainly globally, but also locally, to the folks who consider Augusta home and take great pride in the fact that the most important golf tournament on earth uh, is located right there in in their town. Uh, Charles is an awesome guy, has a phenomenal spirit, funny as hell. So can't wait to chat with him about they got a new record out, they're going on tour, uh, they got all kind of stuff going on. And it's very hard in Nashville, Tennessee to gain any traction. It's just tough. And not only has Lady A had traction for a very long time, they continue to maintain it. Uh, not only commercially, but they have an amazing uh, fan base, write good songs. Charles has written for all kinds of different people, not just Lady A, other guys, Luke Bryan. I know Darius, Rucker, those guys have cut songs of his that have become monster hits. And I, uh, I spent my weekend, I had a hell of a week. Uh, I started the week in Destin, Florida uh, at the SEC meetings, which were I mean, they, not, not a whole lot came out of there. Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban both uh, agreed to 
keep their mouths shut and move along from uh, their feud. But I don't think they agreed. People were acting like something's going to happen. What happened is dad, Greg Sankey, said, knock it off. Do not act up in public. And that's why there was nothing. Well, they agreed. I mean, they, they, they agreed with dad. And uh, neither one of them. Yeah, I saw someone say that uh, that Sankey's scared of Nick Saban on Twitter. I don't remember who it was. Sankey uh, but, ain't scared of nobody. Uh, I don't think they know the power in that man's chest. Because he said what he needed to say, and, and obviously it took hold. Well, ultimately it's all about the league. And, you know, I, I don't care what anybody says, and, and certainly the commissioner of the Southeastern Conference would much rather have uh, unity and uniformity and harmony in his conference that in a moment when there's so many different landmark decisions trying to be made. I mean, this is a seismic moment in collegiate athletics, in the history of collegiate athletics with name, image, likeness, and the transfer portal and the Wild West that is both of those combined. Uh, They have to have a, a voice that comes up with answers and not one that is bickering internally but I don't care what anybody says in a moment where there was the PGA Championship, there was the NBA playoffs, there was baseball, there was uh, uh, the, the end of college baseball where all of this is ramping up and there's a lot of noise in other sports. The number one story in sports was SEC football. So ultimately, uh, I would imagine – that Commissioner Sankey had to laugh and chuckle just a little bit at the fact that no matter what happens, his his football is front and center in the in the sports narrative uh, among the you know all of the shows we have at ESPN, where those guys debate everything that there is to debate. I mean, you got Stephen A. debating with uh, everybody, you know, Jay Williams or Ryan Clark or whomever, all my amazing colleagues at ESPN. That's what they're debating. And that ain't bad for SEC football. And by the way, on October 8th, when those two square off in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, the whole world is going to be watching. Why? Because of what those two said. Do you have your flight booked for that? Just go ahead and book it now. Like, well, that there's, you're going no debate. There. <laughs> there's no debate I'll be there. Um, I would imagine college game day will be there. Uh, I would imagine that SEC Nation will be there. I don't know. I don't make those decisions. That's a way above my pay grade. I go where I'm told. But uh, given given what it is, I mean, there's also the the layer and the variable that Nick Saban had never lost to a former assistant until last year when Jimbo Fisher and the Texas Aggies beat Alabama. And so there's so much. There's a lot of layers to that. And I've never seen scorched earth like I saw when Jimbo made his comments about Coach Saban, ever. And so, I'm a, I don't know about y'all, but I've never seen one coach go after another one like that. No, that was new. Not like that. That was new. You've seen coaches take some, you know, glancing shots at them or, you know, and imply it's about a coach, but that was just straightforward. Well, I mean, Steve Spurrier was not afraid to do it, but Steve Spurrier had a, ah, ah hell, kind of vibe about him. You know, and, and he would move on because he could, because he'd already kicked your ass. But this was different because it was 
just way more personal <laughs> and you could see it and and it wasn't just personal you could tell they didn't really like what was going on on the other camp but these guys knew each other and they worked for each other so there there were just so many extra layers to how this one uh played out and look Sankey might have told him to you know pipe down or move on or whatever but that game is going to be the ultimate place to settle it by my calculation by my calculation on my iPhone calendar, I think it was the 19th or so of May when all of this broke. And Travis will get on the internet machine and figure out if I'm right or not. But that was more than two weeks ago. So that tell, and we're talking about it right now. I mean, it's going to be. You know, it, it's, it's going to quiet down, certainly. It will ratchet back up to a in towering inferno degree at SEC Media Days in mid-July. I mean, look, I, I would imagine that Ryan McGee and myself will do the talking season special that we do every year where we sit down all 14 coaches. And there's no way that it can't be asked. And so uh, they may choose to not give a whole lot, which is their prerogative, but – It'll certainly be discussed. Um, I, uh, I left Destin. had a great time down there with my family. The SEC does a f- tremendous job at that event. Uh, did a couple speeches while I was down there. Uh, really enjoyed myself. My family had a blast. That Sandestin Resort where they do it is awesome. And then we got home. Laney and I went and saw Morgan Wallen on Thursday night. It was, the show was fantastic. Saw him out here at PNC Pavilion. And, uh, man, I don't know how many people were there, but it was – I'm going to make the guesstimate 20-plus thousand. I don't think you could have crammed two or three more people back there in the lawn if you wanted to. And we fortunately got to be up real close and, and see the show. I had not seen Morgan play since January of 2019, I think, or maybe 20 – whenever LSU won the national championship. Uh, that was the 2019 season, I think. So it would have been January 2020. I was down in Baton Rouge, uh, I mean, in 2019. Whatever year that was that Joe Burrow uh, broke every single record there was to break and LSU went 15-0. and 0. I was down there for – more than 60 days that fall. And on one of the weeks I was down there leading up to the national championship, uh, Morgan played the Harris Casino Theater. And a bunch of buddies of mine from LSU and I went to see that show. And he sold that one out, but that was probably like 1,000 people. I'm going to make the guess, 1,000, 1,500 people. Uh, this one was crazy. I'm just going to read you. This is from the Charlotte Observer uh, a friend texted me at 6.47 on Thursday to tell me he was leaving his house in Huntersville to make what's normally a 15-minute drive to PNC Music Pavilion. An hour and 15 minutes later, he told me he was still stuck in traffic. Uh, and then it's a quote, I've right. never seen it like this before. You, you would have thought it was the Pope in town. It, w- it was something to behold. I mean, I've seen everybody there. I've seen Kenny Chesney and Tim McGraw there. I've seen Chris Stapleton there. I've seen Poison there. I've seen, uh, I'm just trying to, I mean, I, I've seen everybody there. I've seen festivals there. I've seen 
I've lived in Charlotte more than half my life now, and that place has been here since I've been here. Uh, I've seen every major act you could see. I've seen Eric there, and I've never really seen it like it was the other night. Uh, there was a moment when Morgan left the main stage, and they had erected this stage kind of right at the, in the middle of the lawn. And he walked out there. They shut all the lights out, and he walked out there and, and played two or three songs uh, while he was out there, man. And the, everybody, he had requested that everybody hold up their phone with the light on. You know, uh, Stapleton I've seen do that when he plays Fire Away. So Morgan was playing uh, Cover Me Up, uh, the cover he did from Jason Isbell. And every single person there, I mean, it was just crazy. And everybody was singing every word, hanging on every word, and tremendous show. It was a tremendous show. And that, that album, I mean, I don't know, for those of you who may not be country music fanatics, that album was number one in the world in 2021 across all genres, I think almost by two powers. I think he sold 3.1 million copies, and I think the next closest artist – was 1.9 million copies. And I don't remember, I think it was a hip hop artist maybe, I forget who it was, but just unbelievable volume of sales, streams. It's, um, it's a phenomenon, really good show. Laney and I skipped out of there. We were leaving the next day to go camping. And so we blew out of there. Uh, I had the set list, so I knew when it was gonna end and we blew out of there with two songs to go. Laney was uh, nursing a little bit of an injury. We were walking. Uh, what? What happened? We were she, she bit it, man. We were walking across the pool deck Thursday evening uh, at the resort, and man, I don't know. There was something. I was like one step in front of her. She was adjacent to me, kind of behind me to my right, and I just hear. And I turned around, I was like, what in the world? Like, I, was, I thought she was going to be giggling. But she, I mean, her phone was over there, total yard sale. Like, phone over here, purse <laughs> over there. And I know my wife. We've been married a long, long time. The look on her face, I immediately knew she might actually be hurt. And so I leaned down, and I'm like, you okay? She's like, I don't know yet. Just let me, let me just give me a second. She had hurt her ankle. Her, I mean, she, one of her toes right now is purple. I mean, it is it is black, blue, purple, green, yellow. So what you're telling me and is it looks like she went for the cheese rolling competition? Yeah. I mean, Abby's in better shape, man. <laughs> A Abby, Abby is wow. in a lot better shape right now. She's rallying pretty good, but she couldn't walk great. And so that's why we wanted to leave the show early because, first of all, Tra like Travis just said, I had no desire after being gone for the last 10 consecutive months from last football season all the way to – I mean, that day in Sandestin was my last thing on my work calendar for the year. So I didn't want to sit in traffic for two hours, man. I was not interested. And so we left with a couple songs to go. Lanester was a superstar. She made herself, uh, got herself back to the car. Toe and, injuries uh, are tough, man. There's, there's nothing you can do about them. No. You they, cannot I mean, heal they, them up. They keep all pros on the sideline, son. We uh, – so anyway, got up on Friday, went and spent the last several days at this campground called Emberglow that we love in Western North Carolina. And while I was there, 
um, my, my buddies and me drank a whole bunch of bourbon. But I was sitting there thinking. So it was, it was Friday night, I think, and we're sitting around a campfire, and Can't You See by the Marshall Tucker Band comes on my telephone. And I thought, man, this is the third greatest Southern rock song of all time. So I go on the tweeter machine, and I write, Can't You See Marshall Tucker Band is the third greatest Southern rock song of all time. What are the top two? I had no idea the can of worms that I was opening. So when you said this and you had this thought, did you already know what your top two were? By or all, did you just... By every measure. Just like... Yes. Okay, you already knew. So what are your answers? So first, before we get to our answers, let me go over here to my email real quick. I, this morning, before we got on, did a little bit of... Uh, I did a little bit of study on what some people said. So some of the super popular Travis can look it up right now I mean there were hundreds of responses to this and of course you're going to have Freebird you're going to have Sweet Home Alabama Midnight Rider one of the most popular was Whipping Post by the Almond Brothers of course you're going to have Give Me Three Steps the one that surprised me the most was Green Grass and High Tides by the Outlaws it doesn't surprise me because it's like not an amazing song it's a balling song but any time that I've had this debate before over beers, that's not one that really jumps up. But it was everywhere on the Twitter machine. Uh, I heard some, there was some CCR in there. Have you ever seen The Rain, Ramble Man, Almond Brothers, Curtis Lowe, of course. A lot of 38 special. Hold on loosely, of course. Now, a lot of people wrote Devil Went Down to Georgia, which made me go, is Charlie Daniels band Southern Rock? I don't – I mean, I think that, that – like when I hear, when I think, I of think Charlie, he is, but I don't know if that song is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Is that, is that a permissible answer? When I think of Charlie Daniels, I don't think of Southern Rock though. But I guess he is. I mean, I think I consider Hank Jr. to be Southern Rock and country. I, I looked up on this note. Like, what is Southern Rock? Like, what constitutes Southern Rock? Because when I hear Southern Rock, when when it's Southern Rock, I think. Leonard Skinner, Almond Brothers, Marshall Tucker Band, 38 Special, uh, like that, those guys. So I looked Creedence, it up. Creedence Clearwater Revival. Yep. I looked it up. To me, so to me, it's like the four-way intersection between rock and roll, country music, blues, and living. And so what is it? I looked it up. According to the Wikipedia, author Scott B. Bomar speculates the term Southern rock may have been I coined. I already hate this. I already, I already don't like this, but go ahead. May have been coined in 1972 by Mo Sloten, writing <laughs> for Atlanta's underground paper, The Great Speckled Bird. Ah, yes, of course. In a review of an Allman Brothers band concert. So, at least this writer, Mo Sloten, was inspired to coin Southern rock by watching the Almond Brothers, which are quintessential Southern rock. I think you just know it when you hear it. I don't think it necessarily has a definition. It's kind of like when uh, Robin Williams and the Dead Poets Society just tears that book apart and throws it in the trash can. You don't really need to read and have a defined parameters around what it is. You just know it when you hear it. It's like when they said define porn, and they, you just know it when you see it. Yeah. 
Know it when you hear it. Know it when you see it. Am I wrong? I'm just it's Travis, ladies and gentlemen. Well, welcome Travis to the program, ladies and gentlemen. That's the constitutional um, answer. I mean, it's a it's a very Travis answer. Um, I also there was also some B-52s mm, and some mm-mm. REMs. Sorry, neither no. one of those are Southern Look, Rock. Big Athens music guy, obviously, but not Southern Rock. It's not. That's nineties rock. rock, funk rock, alt rock. Not Southern Rock. ZZ Top. Okay, yes. Definitely. Molly Hatchet, definitely. Mm-hmm. The Black Crows, 2,000%. And so it's just interesting. Like there, some people had like Copperhead Road by Steve Earle. To me, that ain't Southern Rock. It's, a, it's one of the all-time great songs. It's a rocky song. But it is, yeah. it is not Southern Rock to me anyway. So All right, so where are your top two? Well, I'm going last. What are yours? All right. Uh, boring answer, very predictable, but I think it's time-tested. I think number one is Free Bird, and I think number two is Whipping Post, for sure. I think that, that's pretty airtight for me. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with either one. I think the a, a lot, a lot, a lot of people agree with you on that. I don't even have them in my top five. Travis, what say you? Travis is from Ohio. Never mind. Let me just let me just pass right on by him. My favorite Southern Rock songs. That's that's what Travis was about to say. Go ahead. What are what are they, Travis? Um, what you got? I was gonna go Free Bird and probably hmm, Sweet Home Alabama, maybe. Most people most people would say those two. And for someone um, like to your point though, someone from Ohio, like a lot of these songs. I didn't like grow up on. I didn't like hear them. It's all, the all Skinnered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, both of mine are, even though I, I mean, there are so many, and I, I have thought long and hard about this because it's an important answer. And ultimately, I think one of the ones that mean the most to me, one of the ones that say the most to me, is all I can do is write about it by Skinnered. If you don't know it, that's your homework. It's, it's as someone who is a writer, as someone who uh, there are many moments, even though now in today's, in the current season of my life, I pay my mortgage with words audibly. I can't articulate myself audibly the way that I can with a pen. Patrick always laughs and tells me that I have skill with the quill, and mm. I just uh, I care so much about that. So I love that song, but it's not one of my top two. Mine are second is Tuesday's Gone by Leonard Skinner, and number one is Simple Man by Leonard Skinner. Simple Man is the greatest Southern rock song ever cut, ever written. Everything about it is as southern rock as it can get and if you want the poster of southern rock that is the song mama told me all i mean all you got to do is hear the opening guitar riff which is among the most iconic of all time and just let them go i was all right i'm gonna go down take a little bit of a, a right hand turn here but another thing that just blows me away is the fact that if you look at Leonard Skinner's catalog, if you look at their body of work, 
It is unbelievable and beyond comprehension that it was all created in a tiny little four or five year window. I mean, they were efficient. Their first album came out like they really were. They really were formed way, way back in 1964. uh, And their original band name was My Backyard. Can you imagine like being at a show going backyard? No. (laughs) Hey, what are you going to do tonight? Uh, Put on some backyard. I'm going to go see my backyard. Like, wait, what? In 1969. Oh, you're just staying home, huh? Okay, cool. They settled on Skinner. And. And their first album came out in 1973. Think about this, okay? Their first album was released in 73. And the plane crash that killed Ronnie Van Zant, Steve, and Cassie Gaines was in 1977. And these songs, they, they created an American institution in the tiniest little window of time. It's really mind-boggling to me that it was such a short window of work produced that was so timeless that we're, I mean, we're talking about it right now in 2022. And I just, uh, I love that genre of music so much because when you grow up where and how I did, uh, we kind of, I don't know, I guess we kind of claim it. We're the same way with country music, but we just kind of claim it as ours. It's not ours. It's the world's, and the world deserves to have it. But we kind of we considered a notch in our belt how great that Southern rock movement was. Muscle Shoals and all that. Growing up, I originally thought Leonard Skinner was a person at first. So that just <laughs> kind shows of, you. Kind of was, but yeah, I in can, a way. I can I can see how you could. I mean, you know, say, hey man, Leonard Skinner. So phenomenal name. Uh I remember when I was a kid and you two are children, so you will not remember this, but when I was little, there was a compilation album. I think it was also a cassette tape. I think it was a vinyl and a cassette tape, maybe even eight track as well, called Freedom Rock. And if you have never seen the Freedom Rock commercial, I bet you it's on YouTube. It has to be on YouTube. It were these hippie-looking dudes. It was these hippie-looking dudes who were all dressed up in hippie gear. And the guy goes, hey, man, what is that, man? And the guy goes, it's Freedom Rock, man. And the other guy goes, well, turn it up, Is that Freedom Rock? Yeah. (laughs) Is that Freedom Rock? Yeah, man. Well, turn it up, man. It's, and it was on all the time, all the time. And we used to mock it and just trash it. But if you look at what's on Freedom Rock, Freedom Rock is badass. In fact, I wonder if the Spotify machine has just Freedom Rock channel because I'm playing it if it does. Freedom Rock is like the jock jams of Southern Rock. Yes, it is. Oh, okay, here we go. Uh, Freedom Rock compilation. There is a playlist yep. on here. Yep. Read them uh, all. Turn, turn, turn by the birds. Victory. Victory. I'd love to change the world 10 years after. Locomotive Victory. Breath. Jethro Tull. Uh, Black Magic Woman. Jump into the fire. Smoke on the water. United We Stand. There are 40 songs on here. Is that right? Was There's it that? A bunch. 
There's a yeah. Hey, so man. we we know what Marty's gonna be having on in the car these next few times. Is he's that driving. Freedom Rock, man? Yeah, man. We'll turn it up, man. Travis, go on the YouTube and see if it's on there. Like, it is. Go on there and find it is. that commercial itself. Play it. Yes. Can you? Will we hear it if you play it on your computer? The entire premise of that commercial is outrageous because the songs on Freedom Rock are not by one artist. Can it could it? have been anybody's. Yeah, I hear it. See? We'll turn it up, man. Golly, I remember that so vividly, dude. And I haven't seen it in a hundred years, but it just made me think of it as we're rattling off all these songs, seeing that commercial. And it was like 1-800-FREEDOM-ROCK, you know, and you get like a free keychain, rabbit's foot keychain with every order. I don't know, but peace sign, peace sign necklace with every order. Here's the an idea. Uh in October for Halloween for the Marty McGee episode that week, you two need to dress up like those too. We should dress That'd up like That'd be a deep like cut two. reference right there. We should. It'd be good too. And I mean, I, I imagine we could find some get ups that were applicable uh, very quickly, probably in my wife's closet. So uh, speaking of Twitter though, you had another tweet that took off. You were two for two. I hate Twitter so much, dude, but sometimes it's just fish in a barrel. I, uh, I was sitting there yesterday. Uh, we, were cl- we were cleaning up. Now, going camping is awesome. I love going camping. I love being out there where my phone doesn't work very well. Now, I will tell you, Emberglow Resort, my guy Tim that owns that joint, he put in premium Wi-Fi, which makes Marty and McGee a lot easier. Uh, the first few years that we were there, we did not have premium Wi-Fi, and I was uh, – my kids call it buffering. I spent a lot of time buffering, whatever that means. Frozen, that's what I call it. But so we're out there, and going camping is awesome. Unloading everything, man. Let's start the fire. Let's get the cold beers rolling. Well, the packing up part is not quite as fun. And so I am hungover on Sunday morning. Uh, I had a couple cold ones uh, on Saturday evening, and – I'm a little foggy, and I'm trying desperately to fold up the camping chairs and put them in the travel bag in which they come. This should be an Olympic sport. It should. It should be an Olympic sport because I've learned now that I uh, said on the social media that I am not an Olympian. That <laughs> Dude, this par- looks like a golf bag. I thought it was, when I first scrolled on it, I thought it was a golf bag. Apparently, the proper form, the proper approach is like ch- like like chair first, not legs first. And so, I mean, I you know, I don't know. I've always gone legs first. Why can't we just create a bag that it's 2022? We put a man on the freaking moon for crying out loud! Like, can't we just create well, some sort this. of case? when I realized that I was not alone, that other people were in the same boat that I am and, and, and suffer from the same affliction that I do, uh, I, it made me hearken back to Travis and myself on the 17th, green, uh, 17th tee box at the Masters attempting with a buzz to try to have the decorum required of us at Augusta National Golf Club while also trying to finagle these chairs back into the bag. It was the stupidest thing you have ever seen in your life. Eventually, 
we just were like, we got to go. And our the chairs are halfway out of the bag. It's just so unfortunate. I got cups dropping everywhere. Like, Yeah, Travis has eight cups because he's – in the 90 minutes that we sat there, Travis had nine beers while we were sitting there. We're going to take a break for just a moment from the Marty Smith podcast because I wanted to share some really exciting news. We have a brand-new partner for the Marty Smith podcast, Moultrie Outdoors, and we are thrilled – because we love hunting like y'all love hunting and nobody does the outdoors game management category like Moultrie does it. More than 35 years ago, Moultrie pioneered the game management category and today Moultrie is still one of the best-selling brands in game cameras and feeders in the world and it continues to innovate with new technology that hunters and land managers rely on. I got a bunch of land up in Virginia I'm so thrilled. I've never put trail cameras out there, but now that we have this amazing relationship with Moultrie, I'm going to put some trail cameras on my land. I can't wait to see the big bucks we have out there. My my land manager tells me all the time that we have big old bucks out there, and I can't wait to see them on my Moultrie trail camera. Moultrie is defined by foundations of reliability and ease of use, and their products are always field-tested and designed for hunters by hunters. They combine forward-thinking innovation and time-tested practicality, making Moultrie consistently the best there is and the most trusted name in game management. If you want to learn more, please visit MoultrieFeeders.com. That is M-O-U. L-T-R-I-E feeders.com moultriefeeders.com again for more than 35 years they've pioneered the game management category and I want to share a little bit more about you quickly with the micro camera it's compact convenient and easy to conceal the Moultrie micro series covers all your traditional trail camera needs. You can maintain a minimal footprint and keep an eye on the field without sacrificing quality. You can put them anywhere in the woods, including dead zones, or connect with a modem for maximum flexibility. Whether users want to capture wildlife footage, like I was saying, that's what I want to do. I want to put these Moultrie trail cameras out there so that I can see the bucks on my land and whatever else may be coming out there. Coyotes, People going and doing, they're they're dropping a pipeline on my land right now. Hopefully that ends up done soon. But I would love to see more of what's going on. And now I'm going to have the opportunity with my Moultrie micro camera. Whether you want to do that, do recon for hunting season, monitor grounds as part of security measures, these new micro series cameras are an excellent solution. The Micro 42, Micro 42i, and Micro 32i double pack are all available at MoultrieFeeders.com. It fits in the palm of my hand. The camera dimensions are so small, 3.25 by 3.5 by 2.625. It's tiny, but it does a big job. It's amazing. I can't wait to get them out there on my land. And we have an exclusive offer for Outsider Marty Smith Podcast listeners. You get $20 off all purchases of $100 plus. That's 20 bucks off purchases of 100 or more. Use the code OUTSIDER at MoultrieFeeders.com. 
Go to MoultrieFeeders.com, put in the code OUTSIDER, spend more than 100 bucks, and you'll get 20 back. It also works on SummitStands.com. That's www.SummitStands.com and CodeBlueSense.com. C-O-D-E-B-L-U-E-S-C-E-N-T-S.com. Code Blue Sense. All of those brands, spend 100 get 20 back. And again, I'm so excited to put the trail camera up on my land, several of them. I plan to put them out in one of my fields where a bunch of deer are. I plan to put some down in the creek bottom so that I can see what's going on out there. I have a bunch of creek front land and a lot of wildlife make their way through there getting the nutrients they need. So I can't wait to see what I see on my Moultrie mini camera. Again, go to MoultrieFeeders.com. They're a brand new partner of ours, and we are so pumped that they believe in us because we believe in their passion. We love hunting, and they are hunting. MoultrieFeeders.com, brand new partner of the Marty Smith Podcast. Now, back to the show. Speaking of cold beers at Augusta National Golf Club and the majesty of the Masters Tournament, I had the opportunity while I was down there in April to spend a lot of time with Charles Kelly from Lady A. He was born and raised there. As I stated earlier, he has such a unique perspective on everything that is Augusta and making it in Nashville, Tennessee, which is so damn hard to do. It's hard to make it at all. It's hard to get a publishing deal. Then it's hard to get a artist deal. Then it's hard to get a single at all, much less to radio, much less traction on radio, much less a phenomenal tour where you're playing in front of thousands and thousands of people. And this guy has done all of those things. Let's bring in my buddy Charles Kelly from Lady A. All right, it's awesome to have a few minutes with my guy, Charles Kelly. All y'all know that gorgeous voice. All y'all know <laughs> that be stunningly handsome face. He is one of the great vocalists in country music. What else can I say to butter you up Man, I'm before butter. we start chatting? Well, I'll tell you what, that hat is dope, too, by Man, the way. Man, I know. I awesome. love this thing. I love this That's thing. That's a that one's I, I, that I remember. What year was that? It wasn't this year, was it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I was mean, it? they might have made it before, but I got this this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing is sweet. So, yeah. You and I have discussed before the fact that you're an Augusta, Georgia native, uh, born and raised within the Masters mystique. But the folks on my podcast don't know all of this. So, it, to me, it's fast. Everybody, like the Masters and Augusta National are bucket list moments, items, destination for anybody who loves sports. You don't have to love golf. Yeah. If you love sports and you love the lore and you love tradition and pageantry and history and all of it, the Masters is the epicenter. Yep. And so when you grow up in it, how do you perceive it as someone who was born in it? I mean, it's it was the thing. I mean, I – you know what we talked about it uh, when we were hanging out down in Augusta. I mean, I just assumed that every golf tournament was run that way. You know, I assumed <laughs> it was that big, like the whole PGA Tour was was like run like the Masters, and there's just nothing like it. I mean, it's um, just the the excitement uh, and also to the uh, 
the respect I think that the fans have when they're there, you know, and, and it's not, you know, it, it, as much as I love like the Phoenix Open, it's a completely different environment than that. And, uh, and I hope it always stays that way, you know, but, uh, but no, growing up there, I mean, the whole year pretty much revolves around that week. I mean, everybody, especially those months leading up to it, you know, like we used to rent our house out for masters every year. So it was like cleanup time, time to get all the, you know, all the, all, all, all the crap out of our rooms and, uh, put the drum set away and into the ba- into the basement and things like that. And just get it dialed in for that, for that week, get the yard ready. And, um, and just a whole lot of anticipation. So, yeah, it's a big deal. And speaking of the drum set and putting the drum set away, <laughs> the coolest thing that I learned during our conversation down there in April was the impact that you guys renting your home during the week or 10 days leading up to the Masters had on your career and your dream as a musician. Share that with us. Yeah, but so, you know, my mom was a single mom and – um and uh and I mean, you know, super close with both my mom and dad, but she was a single mom and, uh, and I had put together this kind of makeshift little drum set. You know, we had one of these little, I can't remember where I got it, this little electric little snare drum thing. And so then I started taking like the popcorn boxes, you know, where they got the three different popcorns <laughs> and I put like a trapper cape, trapper keeper plastic thing over it, duct taped it. And that was my... My, one of my tom drums and then I had like these plastic little plates that I put together as my hi-hat and I was so proud of it and my mom unbeknownst to me had like tore it all apart you know to get ready for the masters <laughs> uh and get the house ready uh and I came back and just like absolutely lost my mind was so upset and so after uh after we rented the house out and she got her check she goes get in the car and she uh she brought um uh, Bought me a set of drums and bought my brother uh, electric guitar and amp. And I mean, you know, within a couple months, we had started our first band. And, um, and you know, a couple years later, had even, I think I was 14 at the time, made our first little record. And so it just, I mean, there's so much about that that golf tournament that, that kick-started our career, you know. What was that first band called? Our first one was Spork. And we would wear, uh, you know, at KFC. Great name. You know, they got the the, the the spoon and the fork, and we wore spork necklaces in middle school. Uh, <laughs> would you take was, some fishing fishing line yeah, and like yeah, hang yeah. one from here? And that 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 lasted one day until everybody <laughs> made fun of us, and so we stopped that. Uh, and then when I was fourteen or fifteen, we had a band called Inside Blue. We were really into blues and. Um, Again, just coming up with a name that, you know, we thought sounded different and interesting. And so we had that. We actually made a little uh, five-song demo. And we even had, uh, it was kind of cool, because I was playing drums and singing. And uh, we even had James Brown's manager, uh, which is another connection at Augusta, of course. You know, it's the home of James Brown and the home of uh, the Masters. And James Brown's uh, manager at the time even tried to, like, sign us, but... He wanted to like turn us into like a boy band. He goes, "We're gonna get y'all in matching suits." And it was like, <laughs> "Dude, no, no, no. We're we're kind of wanting to do a little bit more like the hooting and blowfish type of thing." So, anyways, it uh, yeah, it, it was it was a huge part of uh, of kind of kickstarting our love of music. Charles, you're an ingenuitive guy, man. The the custom drum set, <laughs> the sport necklace, and then I I see this creation of a sandwich that yes. you do at Augusta with Marty. 
and I can't even wrap my mind around it. So I'm going to give you the floor, deconstruct this thing for our listeners and explain how you put it together. Well, you know, it's, it's, I like to save, save myself for uh, when I get there, like don't eat any (laughs) breakfast or anything because the food, not only is it so amazing, it's really cheap. And so the breakfast of champions, as you go in, you get your ham and cheese on rye and you get you an egg salad sandwich and you take the bread off the top of each of those things and you mash them together and then you get your cold beer and i'm telling you there's nothing there's absolutely nothing like it and what i like to do too so i don't have to go back through the line is i stick an extra ham and cheese in the back pocket and it gets nice and warm and and, and moist and, and, uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah everybody loves that word and uh yes it's a great it, word and so then you got you know you got that kind of kind of look forward to you know, uh, an hour or two later. And, um, yeah, it's something my brother John Kelly created. And uh, he's, I mean, he's a freaking genius. I mean, it's perfect. But I will say, Marty, didn't you try, weren't you talking about maybe doing the pimento cheese in the egg salad? Yes. That could be another uh, winner. But that's a lot that, of goo. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of goo, man. You need some substance that's, in that's, there. Yeah, that's, that's, that's one too many goos. Oh, it, it, the reason, it, it just means you need two cold beers. Exactly. You got to go two cold beers. And I think you and I, I think you and I made it to three in about 15 minutes. We Uh, did. And gosh, that was a fun day. It really really was. It was a blast. I could have stayed out there all day. After we got done filming that day, I, you know, I stayed out there the rest of the day with, with my buddy and we had such a good time. I mean, it really is hard not to, you know, go through five or six beers as you're just because you're walk you're walking it off you're running around the golf course and they're like two dollars i mean who's going to turn down a two dollar beer i have said and i've said this to actually fred ridley as well that i believe if the country were run more like augusta national we wouldn't have a lot of the problems we have and this is what i mean if you're walking around Augusta National and uh, one of those green sandwich wrappers happens to be blowing yeah. across the property, people run to pick it up and put it in the trash can because yep. the reverence for the grounds permeates the people. Yep. You're also not living life through an iPhone screen. Mm-hmm. You're living life through the beautiful film strip of your mind. And you're fellowshipping with the people that you're there with. You are immersed together and not distracted because you damn sure can't be distracted. <laughs> I just, I, I wish so much more of the context of my life in the broader scope could be kind of that, that energy, as it were. I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's special. And, you know, something like you said, too, you don't even have to love golf to, to appreciate that. I, I took my... Uh, our guitar player Slim out there one time. He doesn't know a thing about golf. Doesn't care. And he goes, I could just sit out here all the all day and just appreciate, you know, the atmosphere and the beauty of it. And but I'm with you. I mean, there is, like you said, everybody comes in with this with this level of respect, uh, you know, for the golfers, for for each other, and uh, there is something about it that just sets everybody in a perfect perfect mood. But man, the, the no cell phones is key. I mean that. There is nowhere else in the world for me. I mean, even when I'm on the golf course, that's why I like walking uh, when I can on the golf course with a caddy because I put my phone in the bag. But when I'm in a cart, it's just, you know, after every shot, I come in. Let me check my phone. Every Check my phone. And, and there's not many places like you can be out there and, you know, you're just free, man. I have wanted to ask 
so many of you guys who are buddies of mine that are accomplished artists who are accustomed to playing in front of 10, 15, 20,000 people, right? That's y'all's normal operating procedure. However, no matter how accomplished you are in your career, no matter how wonderful the work that you produce is, when you are playing it live, invariably, I imagine (laughs) you see this in your crowd. Like, how? at what point do you get used to, okay, that's just life. They're not paying attention to me right now. But we're gonna we're gonna sing our ass off and make them pay attention to us. Yeah, you know it is it is what it is. I mean, you know, people are coming there. They pay good money. They can enjoy it however they want. But there are moments that you know it, it is kind of like, gosh, just be in the moment. Um, you know, and but it also can create some great moments. You know, one of the new things that now you know I feel like a lot of shows do. You know, is have a moment where everybody puts the light up on their cell phone. And, and that's always special. We do that with some of our ballads, you know. But but it is. I mean, I think, uh, you know, I've got a little six-year-old boy, and he's already on his iPad all the time because we travel so much. And I'm like, goodness gracious, what's, you know, where is this heading? Where Where is where is this technology heading? Because uh, it, it definitely is probably a, a reason half of us are as anxious as we are, you know. And there's a big... Uh, a, a big, uh, you know, kind of anxiety spike, it seems like, in the world. No doubt. I saw on your Instagram uh, you played golf with Kevin Kisner. I'm sure you've played with a few guys on the tour. What's the best tip you've gotten from those guys? Or do they even bother? Oh, gosh. I mean, Kiz, he always busts my chops out there because, you know, I'm six six and I should absolutely crush the ball. But – I hit it okay, but I, I, I dip a little bit. And, you know, he, he tried to – he actually got me with uh, his coach, uh, Tillery, um, for a couple days a before. But, yeah, really fun dude. Um, and he tried to square me up, and I left there thinking – I was like, <laughs> oh, man, this is going to be amazing. And I did a practice round, and, I mean, I could barely, like, break 90, and I went back to my homemade swing, and we ended up making the cut that year. And so I was like – you can't change these old habits. These are just, you know, they're old habits I have. But, uh, but Kiz will tell you, I mean, he, you know, his probably biggest piece of advice for me is just to keep drinking because the more I drink, the better I am. <laughs> and I, I, I'm out there, and the only other guy I've seen drink as much as me on a golf course is um, is probably Wayne Gretzky. He gets destroyed out there. <laughs> Uh, but I have to have, I have to have some swing lube. I mean, I, you know, I literally would, uh, kids stayed with us this year and I, I wasn't really drinking on that. It took me about three months, uh, of not drinking. Of course we missed the cut this past year. So I'm not going to say it was a coincidence, but the year before where we made the cut, I would wake up and I had a couple of my buddies in town and, um, you know, if we had a tea time at, at 8.30, I'd wake up at 6 o'clock, and I'd, I'd go through a couple uh, screwdrivers, and we'd play Pig, this little dice game, Pig. It's pretty it's pretty nasty. And so I got this video. I'll have to send it to you and find you. I mean, it's like 6 in the morning, already drinking a screwdriver, you know, gambling and dice. It was like – but it got me in the mindset of just go out there and have fun. But uh, that's usually what Kiz, Kiz always says is just uh, – you know, make sure you come prepared. And he doesn't mean hitting golf balls. He means come prepared and have a good buzz on. When uh, when Toy Story 3 came out, did you and your brother feel like uh, you'd been copyright infringed when all of a sudden there was Forky 
Uh, forky, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, the spork. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, that band didn't last long. We had a couple We had a couple gigs, and uh, gosh, I can't remember, too. We had, we had some, some guy that he was, he was like, you know, we didn't know what we were trying to do. We were trying to be like Nirvana, and he was like, you know, screaming the whole time, and it was, it was brutal. So Spork, spork band, lasted two gigs. One band that has certainly lasted is Lady A. You guys are uh, – it's tremendous, the career that you've built. And, I, I mean, you've done it all. you got Grammys all over your shelf. you got platinum records all over your shelf. you got nine-time nine platinum singles. I mean, it's on and on, right, the dream. What are you proudest of? I think longevity, I mean, that's always been our goal. Uh, you know, I think you kind of get to a point now, we're 15 years in, that you know you're not going to be the newest thing. And we've had plenty of ups and downs in our career. I mean, it was, you know, the irony is, is it our height of our career and the hottest we ever were, you know, just after Need You Now and touring all over the place, we were moving so much and we weren't really connecting as a band because we were just so stressed out and everybody's just moving the next show, next show, next show. Uh, next TV performance, next this. And we felt so worn out that that was probably, ironically, the most unhappy I've been. And it's almost afterwards that you can look back at it and appreciate the ride that you've been on. Um, but the three of us just respect each other so much. You know, we all have families now. And I think the thing I'm most proud of is, is like, I mean, just the other day, like we're putting together the tour and Hillary's like, well, that's, that's Isley's last day of school. I want to be there for it. And and then somebody else like, well, I really want to go on this. You know, Dave's had a, his 40th birthday. And he was like, I'll go into South Africa to do this. And it was like, you know, we had a couple shows we could have done. And in the past, we probably would have gotten griped at each other about it. And now it's like, hey, man, this is this is part of that balance uh, of career and, and, and family and life. And um, I think that's why, you know, hopefully we can be doing this for a long time. And, and just try not to put pressure on, on trying to, compete with a new hottest thing just stay true to what to what we do and it feels like we're in a nice groove right now you know and i'm just proud of the catalog that we built you know we've got an hour and a half to two hours of a show full of singles and you know we we grew up or not when we grew up when we started we were opening up for like tim mcgraw and, and keith urban and 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 kenny chesney and i was like gosh if we can just get to a spot where our whole show people are singing along and it finally feels like you know we're, we're there and um i'm pretty proud of that how long did it take Hillary to understand uh, you and Dave's love for the Georgia Bulldogs? Because that is a <laughs> that's a different kind of desperation, and uh, yeah. up until this past winter, a uh, different kind of depression. Man, I I will say I I was so afraid. I didn't go. Dave went to the game. I didn't go intentionally because I had gone to uh, the previous one. Um, and I was like, I, 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 I'm very superstitious like that. I said, I'm watching this from home. I'm not going. I don't, I, I don't want to jinx them. I don't want to be disappointed. And uh, gosh, I wish I was there so bad. Um, but man, if we had not won that game, I don't know if we. It just feels like that monkey would have been on our back forever of just being so close. But it's a, it, it's a pretty, pretty fun thing. I mean, we, Dave and I, even a lot of the shows, we'll have, you know, we'll have to be on stage during the game. And we'll have our uh, tour manager sitting on the side. You know, it's like seven, seven zero, <laughs> and I'm like, it's like it's us, dogs up. And you know, we we'll just we'll get those constant updates and stuff. I know Darius one, <laughs> Darius Rucker was on tour with us, and he had uh, a South Carolina game on a little monitor by the stage, like on an iPad, 
and I was just crap. I mean, he's way more obsessed with sports than than I, I, you know, I could ever be. But uh, but yeah, the dogs, man. We, Dave and I both went to went to Georgia, graduated in two thousand four, and um, that's kind of where Kevin Kisner and I, uh, you know, kind of uh, friendship began too as well. And um, you know, it's just a it's just a great a great place, uh, you know, to feel like connected to, and I think we're going to have a strong team for a long time. You are not the only world famous Georgia Bulldog fanatic. Uh, I, I will be driving down the highway and my phone will ring, and it will be Red Akins. Oh and yeah. He will have he will have questions about the most obscure recruit who's in the ninth yeah. grade in Anchorage, Alaska. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, not everybody is sick like you. I've never yeah. heard of this guy. Yeah. And he's like, well, damn. And he, too, chose against going to the national championship yep. because he was terrified that he was going to be the Well, jinx. I'm glad y'all didn't yep. go. Yeah, I know. I, <laughs> me, too. No, it, it's it's actually pretty wild how many – and I will say, I I, I mean, as much as, as as obsessed as I am with it, I, I, I'm not one of those guys that knows all the recruits and the ins and outs. I got some of my buddies. It, yeah, I mean, you know, but think about we, – we've got uh, Luke Bryan – you know, Jason Aldean, Kane Brown, Thomas Rhett, you know, Dave and I. I mean, it's an obsessive, um, you know, we, we all kind of went to Georgia, grew up in Georgia or whatever. I mean, the connection's amazing. We're all on the text chain, you know, before games and uh, and texting. And, and, How's that you know. go? What's that text chain? Well, like, what, is that a lot of four-letter four words? Yeah. Oh, yeah, especially during the game. Yeah, but uh, it, it's just, you know, it's a it's a fun connection and, and – um, you know, I, shoot. I, actually, it was Al Dean who I was on his bus when we were we, we went up to the uh, the game a few years back and, and lost. And on the ride back, oh my gosh, it was like we were so quiet on the ride back. We were so angry, but um, it, it is it's it's a fun connection to have with with all those guys. And uh, you know, just proud to be from from Georgia right now. You know, not not only the Bulldogs, but you got the Braves. Everybody. I, I even took a little a little ownership of uh, of Stafford, you know, and his in their win. You know, you're not alone. I yeah. think the entire state did, brother. I think you're okay there. Uh, one thing that I've always wondered too. I imagine all three of y'all moved to Nashville with solo career aspirations. How did y'all get put together? Yeah, it was you know, uh, it was the most. Random. If I, I mean, if I had to go back, you can't make up how random the moments are. I had graduated Georgia, and I really didn't play much music in college at all. I kind of just decided I was gonna, you know, that was a pipe dream, you know, go and and do the normal route, and um, you know, graduate with a finance degree, and I I, I went and worked for a year up in Winston Salem, North Carolina, and just was so unhappy. I just it just didn't feel right, and you know, I was kind of pretty much just doing odds and ends of different things and and my brother Josh Kelly had had, had a little success as a, as an artist himself uh, out in LA and he started going to Nashville to write songs and he says man I'm going to move to Nashville and I said are you kidding I was like well that's pretty close that's a lot closer than LA I said I, you know I'm going to come visit and so I came and visited and I just was like man can I, can I live with you and just give this a shot? I'm so unhappy. And he could hear it in my voice and he could, you know, he was like, Charles, you're freaking 23 years old. Take a chance. And I was like, all right. So I packed up my stuff, moved to Nashville and, um, I was there and I, and Josh was like on tour a lot during that time. So I didn't really know anybody. 
And so I randomly called up Dave, who I'd grown up with, and he was in some other bands. And I said, man, I know you're in Atlanta. I said, I don't really know anybody here in, uh, you know, in Nashville yet. I said, do you mind if I come up, drive up to Atlanta every now and then, and we write some songs together? And I did. Like, every weekend for a couple months, I did that. And, um, I mean, he had a this great job, this great, like, computer tech finance job, 401k, the whole thing. And so we start writing songs, and we start, like, they're pretty good. And I'm like, man, you got to move to Nashville. We got we to gotta do this thing. And I don't know what got into him, and he because he's just not the kind of guy that takes crazy chances like that. And he just decided, shoot, I'm doing it. And he moved to Nashville, and about four months later, we were in a bar, or I was in a bar, um, called Twelfth and Porter in Nashville, and Hillary was popping up and, and down singing with uh, with a group cover songs, and I was like, "You're really good," and uh, we were kind of, you know, I thought I'd get a date out of it. She was a hot girl. We were kind of <laughs> flirting. We were both single, and she comes over like a week later, and we start writing a song, and um, I think our third song we wrote was "Love Don't Live Here," which ended up being our first single, wow. and everything just came together, and uh, you know. It just the rest is kind of history, as they say. Just y'all kinda, were not put together. Y'all no. found each other. Oh yeah, that we is found very each. rare. Yeah, we found each other. You know, come come to find out, Hillary had, had had a little buzz in town and been working with a really great songwriter. So a lot of people kind of knew about her, but she had never gotten a record deal yet. And um, so I was like, let's just take a chance, you know, and and we'll just do this on the side and. It was pretty evident after the first few months, and we started doing some shows, and more and more people came. And I remember, you know, by one of our last shows we had before we signed our deal, we had like four different labels there, and I didn't know who who anybody was, so I wasn't nervous at all. But Hillary was like, you know, terrified. And Dave and I come up there like, hey, it's just another show. And um, yeah, we were we were really lucky. I mean, in the beginning, everything just took off really fast for us, and. Uh, you know, only later looking back do you realize how rare, you know, that was. Because um, I was like, oh, I guess this is just what, what how it goes. This is it, <laughs> you know. Uh, Marty had a tweet uh, earlier this week about the three best Southern rock songs. And I'm not going to put you on the spot right away. Going to give you a minute to think about it. Marty, what was your, your top three? Simple man. I would rather. I I would rather. Uh, with Charles being born and raised in Georgia, I imagine he has his list already compiled yeah. at the uh, well, ready. So I, I don't know, man. I mean, I could give you twenty. I could give you my top twenty. Uh, I mean, because the minute after after I get done saying it, I'm going to think of you know twenty other ones. Um, man, Simple Man's got to be up there. Um, I mean, I, I got to say Midnight Rider. It doesn't sound like it's he's locked it to... in yet, Marty. Let's hold your applause till he till he finalizes yes. his answers here. He already said number one. Yeah. I mean, that's all that it's we need up to know. There. Midnight Rider's <laughs> got to be in there. Um, gosh. Uh, I said Freebird and Whipping Post. Yeah, I mean, Freebird, you got to love Freebird. But again, it's just, you know, it's it's one of those, It's it's so... It's it's been overdone so much that you kind of almost like I, it's. I'm trying to think of Tuesday's gone. Tuesday's gone's in there, but I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make sure Can't we don't you see. I, I want to make sure we don't. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I don't just go a whole bunch of Almond Brothers. Um, <laughs> I mean, Southern Rock. I mean, gosh, you might want to throw some Doobie Brothers in there too. Um, but Leonard Skinner, we got. I mean, 
you got to get some Leonard Skinner in there. Um, what CCR. Is, yep, yep. This is so. This is almost too hard. It I is. Mean, it's I, impossible. I know, because I was gonna say too. Like Greg Almond's my my hero, and I even love. You know, I'm no angel. I'm no yep. angel. There's something just so cool about that song. Man, you'd have to give me some time. There's too many, honestly. I mean, that's what we grew up on. I mean, we grew up when when we first started the band. You know, I was talking to Hillary, and I was like, "Listen, I love. I grew up on the Almond Brothers. I'm. I want to be a Southern rock man." And she was much more country and growing up on Reba. And and I was like, "Okay." And we also had this huge R and B influence. You know, grew up pl- playing a whole lot of the Commodores and Lana, you know, all that stuff. And so we did, you know, that really was a part of our sound was, um, especially early on, was a little bit more of a Southern rock kind of pop, you know, country sound. So, I mean, Southern rock was a huge influence for me. You've done it all. What, what, what's left for you on the, on the career accomplishment wish list? Oh, man. What, what would you like to do? I mean, it would be... Gosh, I don't know. I mean, what what would I like to do? Well, I want to win the uh, AT and T uh, Pebble Beach Pro Am at some point. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know I would have said Grammys, but I we were fortunate, especially you know Need You Now was that was a you know kind of kind of reach us to that goal. I, That's old hat now, bro. I know, man. I mean, I guess I would say like the Country Music Hall of Fame. That would be okay. pretty pretty amazing. I mean, congrats you know, we were, on the Opry, by the way. Thank you. I was about to say we were lucky enough to get in, you know, the Opry, and that was that was a huge moment. But I mean, you know, just a, a few weeks ago, I hadn't been in years, and and my my mom and um, sister and and her little uh, girls came in town, and I took them, you know, to the uh, to the uh, museum down here, and um, just walking through, I was like. Gosh, it sure would be cool to to you know to be in here someday you know as one of those you know older iconic uh, artists that everyone's looking at and so I mean that would be a huge accomplishment but I I mean you know not to sound cheesy we've we've already done we've so far exceeded any expectations I've ever had I mean I think again the biggest thing for me would be to see us still at seventy years old together and doing shows. Um, I know we're not going to be doing a hundred shows, you know, then, but to be, or hell, we may all go broke and have to do a hundred shows. <laughs> um, but that would be a pretty amazing ultimate goal. Um, you know, that really would. Uh, but yeah, just, to, just to still have a fan base, uh, you know, 30, 40 years from now would be pretty amazing. Speaking of the Opry, you guys are getting ready to do a couple shows at the Ryman. Share with us the details. Yeah, we're gonna kick off. Uh, we're gonna kick off this theater tour. We've, we've, you know, we're trying to just do some stuff different. We've been doing the amphitheaters and, the, and arena runs, and I'm sure we'll we'll pick back up with that next year. But we're doing a lot of fairs and festivals this summer. But we've always, every time we play the rhyme, and anytime we play these venues, it's just the engagement with the fans is so much more intimate and close. And so we decided we we're going to put together you know, a, a run in the fall. Usually we don't really tour much in the fall. And we said, after the summer's done, let's go do something that just feeds our soul. And so we're putting together this, uh, we call it the request line tour, um, where we'll even take requests from the audience. It's just going to be much more intimate. Ooh. It's still going to have its high energy moments, but we're going to kick it off uh, August 13th uh, and 14th in Nashville at the Ryman. 
And, uh, I mean, we're going to, you know, all over the place, all these great iconic theaters like Fox Theater in Atlanta. And um, it's just, it's going to be different. And I think an experience that, you know, hopefully our diehard fans um, will appreciate because we haven't had to, had those moments with them in a long time. You know, it's always been in these giant venues, which is great. And I love it. And I love the, the energy of it. But there's nothing like sitting there and seeing the faces and seeing people actually sing up close and personal with you. So it's going to be a fun tour. Yeah, that sounds awesome. How are you going to do? How are you going to do when, uh, you know, when somebody stands up and goes, hey, Charles, we want Baby Got Some, Back. Somebody's <laughs> going to request Freebird on that thing. by Bobby Brown. I can do well, what I want to do. <laughs> we'll try our best. We'll try our best. But I, uh, you know, one thing that will be easy if they say we want some Midnight Rider or something, <laughs> I can, we can throw that out there pretty quick. But, I mean, listen, growing up in cover bands, I mean, that's what I love to do. That, that's what I grew up doing. I mean, we would do Friends in Low Places then turn around and do – you know, boys to men, then turn around and do, you know, Nirvana. I mean, anything. And, uh, and Dave Haywood, I will say specifically, I mean, he's a, he's just a musical genius and he, he's a songbook. I mean, he knows it all. And so we, you know, we can, we will allow ourselves to have those moments, I think. And I think some really fun, spontaneous moments with the crowd are going to come out of it. So I'm looking forward to it. All right, so ladies and gentlemen, you can expect uh, Lady A to sing on bended knee in <laughs> Council Bluffs, Iowa. Close your eyes, make a wish. That's it, man. And go out. Well, you've done an amazing job, brother. All of you Thank guys you, have. Thanks, Charles. Take care, guys. I will tell you, that is one of the all-time fun dudes to hang out with. Uh, he, When you have the celebrity and the acclaim that he has – and you are just so normal. Yes, I like to slap two different kinds of sandwiches together and drink a bunch of cold beer and get hammered before I go play golf. I mean, celebrities, they're just like us. I, I just love his spirit. I always have. I met him. I think I met him for the first time maybe 10 years ago with Eric Church, and uh, I've really enjoyed him ever since, and we had a blast down there at Augusta in April. Really appreciate him coming on and, and sharing with us. I, I never did know. I'm sure I could have read it on the internet, but I never did know how they got put together. That's cool. It's hilarious that he was trying to hit on Hillary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, that sandwich to Wes, Wes said is questionable at best what he's it doing. That's controversial. It was really good. I enjoyed uh, sampling it. Uh, but, again, the the one that I have come to love is the – pimento and the egg salad all together in one yes it's a whole lot of goo but it's worth the investment trust me y'all trust me you know what they need to do um, is the pimento cheese and the chicken sandwich put that together that would be good well that's what i was going to say that's that's one that's kind of like off market people make that themselves or they'll do it with the uh kind of scrape some off and put it on the biscuit in the morning uh, we all love the Masters Pimento Cheese, and speaking of great cheeses, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of y'all have seen the downhill race that is the Gloucester Cheese Chasing Contest <laughs> and Wake, apparently. I just envisioned someone throwing a pimento cheese sandwich down the 10th fairway at Augusta and patrons just cascading down to whomever, win. Whomever made that decision would be removed from the premises immediately i was almost scared to say it 
and probably <laughs> locked up in some secret jail that they have there that we do not know about. Uh, Abby Lampy is a recent graduate of North Carolina State University. She is an extremely intelligent young woman. Uh, I know that because she went to NC State, and she graduated from NC State. And she made some, the decision. Some fans that she would argue that graduating from NC State isn't that great. Well, well, I was just thinking, you know, if I didn't know she had that uh, degree, I would question her IQ after this decision. But obviously, it's paid out. I love people that just say the hell with it. This is something I've wanted to do. I'm going to go do it. And that is absolutely what Abby did as she uh, flailed, flopped, rolled, tumbled, uh, yard sailed her way down this very lengthy incline. 200 yards. Uh, in the effort to win a block of cheese or a round of cheese or some sort of cheese. Let's bring her in and discuss it. It is our pleasure to welcome to the Marty Smith Podcast, Abby Lampy, recent NC State graduate. Go Pack. Y'all do some kind of weird wolf thing with your hands. I'm not sure what that is, but uh, there, that, yeah, that. Abby, uh, obviously, is an expert in such things, uh, being straight out of Rollywood. Uh, congratulations on your tremendous success in the cheese chasing competition. Thank you so uh, much. Uh, you got to understand, my friends, uh, Abby took home the golden cheese or whatever it is they win. I think you just take home the block of cheese from what I understand. Yeah. But first of all, what in the Sam hell possessed you uh, to think? That, I mean, you have a tremendous education, Abby. I mean, NC State, phenomenal institution of higher learning right up the road from where I live in Charlotte. And uh, yet... Here you go, tumbling down a hill 200 <laughs> yards, uh, fortunately not to your demise, but you come home victorious. Uh, explain to us how this came to be. Yeah, so um, I've seen this competition for a while. On YouTube, there are a lot of compilation, compilations of people falling down hills. So <laughs> I've known about this for a long time. I wanted to do this two years ago, but COVID hit when I was studying abroad in England, so I wasn't able to do it then. And so I am on a victory lap as, uh, after graduating into state and traveling around Europe. And I booked this trip just to do this cheese race. So I specifically wanted to do this this year. And I'm very competitive. So I really wanted to participate in this event. How do you prepare for this? doesn't look like something you can really practice for. No, um... So Raleigh, they have what you call Dorothea Dix Park, which it has very small hills. So before I left, I rolled down a few of those hills. <laughs> Is um, there footage of this? Like, did you take your friends and say, <laughs> you know, film me, get me on the gram? Tape. No, there's not. Actually, my boss might have a video of me rolling down a hill there, but not a very good video. I So I did that. And then on Friday when I came here, we went up to the hill to check it out, and it was a lot steeper in person than <laughs> on videos or pictures. It does not, like, pictures and videos do not do it justice. So I we climbed up that hill, and I did a test run. I didn't do it full speed, but I did go down it, and I slid about halfway through down the hill. It, it's, it's a very steep hill, so... Um, yeah, I did a test run, and that probably was my 
probably was the best practice I could do. Abby, I'm a really old man. Uh, just think I've been doing these like uh, squat thrust things while you've been talking, just thinking about blowing my ACLs apart, running down that hill. Um, your form was very interesting. We all, we all studied your, your tremendous award-winning performance. You kind of had this, let me, uh, I'll just stop. Why don't you describe for us what your competitive approach was to this? Because it seemed like a stop, drop, flop and roll type of maneuver. What was your philosophy? You looked like a crash in? test dummy. Yeah. A lot of flailing, a lot of rolling. People, people kept saying I look like a rag doll or that I am the cheese. But- <laughs> the big cheese, Abby Lampy. It's time to make a t-shirt, Abby. You can market that damn thing. <laughs> yeah, so my mentality going into it was to stay on my feet the longest I could to go run down the hill. That did not work out. <laughs> I was going to say that was a you did not you, you did not execute the plan very well. No, I didn't. I <laughs> fell around like 2 seconds into the race and then I started tumbling. So I just kept tumbling and I knew I was going sideways because I could see different background changes when I was like looking up and my face was getting demolished by the ground. (laughs) (laughs) And I got, I got to the end of the hill and all I could think was, did I win? And so I think I even said, did I win? And then the lady comes and (laughs) brings the cheese and said, you won. And I was over the moon. So mostly my mentality was I'm going to – it's going to hurt for about 15 seconds, but after then it will be okay. What about the pain in the aftermath? I mean, do you feel like you've been in a car accident? No, no, no. Um, it's yeah. soreness. You're- Honestly, I ran a 5K – or I ran a half marathon a few years ago, and I feel better than after running that half marathon and you didn't even get any cheese after the half marathon i'm guessing no you get a dumb medal (laughs) how did your friends back in rollywood uh respond to your victory they were floored they were so (laughs) surprised it just shock i facetimed some of them and i said i won and they were like you did not and then i had to show them the cheese Uh, how big's the cheese? Like, is it? Is it? Uh, oh, what's the circumference of the cheese? It's pretty big. It, it. Do you have the cheese with you? So I actually shipped it out this morning. I'm giving it to my parents. Now, is this something that you're gonna like cook with? Or are you gonna eat it? Are they gonna put it on? The or are you going piece? to preserve it and mount that thing like a trophy? No, we're gonna have a big charcuterie board when I get back. Ah, the charcuterie, huh? I was going to say, we, got, we now have an expert on how to say that word, Abby. That's been an ongoing debate on the Marty Smith podcast. We don't, we're country people, and we have no idea how to say that word. You did it beautiful, like beautiful. Effortless. Rolls right off the tongue. They yeah. teach charcuterie at, at NC State. <laughs> yeah, so I told my parents to hold off, don't open it. We'll have a cheese unveiling when I get back. Oh, uh, you got to send us a uh, you got to send us a clip of that. We can't wait to see that. <laughs> We're gonna need an update. Uh, what is your hometown, Abby? 
Uh, I grew up in Smithfield, North Carolina. My parents now reside in Clayton, so not very far from Smithfield. Okay. So, I mean, it's not that far from me. Maybe we'll have to come over there. And I mean, there should – look, on the 4th of July, you should be on the back of like a 68 Camaro holding your Yeah, there needs to be a parade. Go through the – there needs to be an Abby Lampy parade, cheese parade. I'm actually going to be in Greece then. Uh, oh well, I, yeah. Very so international I go, talent. I don't get back to the states until August 31st, so they're going to have to wait a little bit. All right. Well, well I think whatever happens, I think they when they, the Wolfpack. Yeah. Even though you're a graduate now, I think when the Wolfpack open their season, you should be honored at the 50 yard line. I'm going to call Dave Doran myself, <laughs> and I'm going to say, Coach. We have to we have to have a, a ceremony at the fifty yard line for Abby holding her cheese, and then we'll. I mean that damn slice that that block of cheese could feed the entire campus for their. Yeah, we're we're your biggest advocates, Abby. The the howling cow I just looked up is the creamery at NC State. Like there needs to be yeah. a statue commission holding that cheese, just you standing outside, so everyone can just admire your greatness. And Raleigh forever. Dude, hell, that probably took that probably took a whole herd of cattle to make that cheese block. All <laughs> yeah, right, uh, it's eight pounds. That, it, that is it really? Yeah, three point six kilograms. Man, Abby's a full gun show holding that thing up. The uh, Cooper's Hill cheese rolling in Wake. Is it Gloucester? Is that how you say it? Yeah, Gloucester, England. Yeah. What's the Wake part? We were wondering this too. Like where I grew up, a Wake is a whole different deal. So what what is the wake portion of the cheese rolling competition? I'm honestly not sure. I wonder so I if could... they expected people to move on and meet the yeah. Lord and Savior after that experience. In case someone dies, we've got a procession just ready to go. <laughs> no one's died yet. Yeah. By doing that. Yet. Did uh, I imagine that must have uh, at least increased your self confidence a bit as you were flailing about down the hill like Raggedy Ann? <laughs> Yeah, I was just surprised I didn't break my ankle because when I did my test run on Friday, it hurt a little bit after, and I was like, oh, no. So after <laughs> after my initial uh, painful first go on Friday, I had thorns that were splinters in my fingers. And so on Ooh. Saturday, I bought gloves. And on Saturday, uh, my friend is going to visit me in Barcelona, Spain next week, or I guess in a few days. And I um, Amazon primed an ankle an ankle brace as preventative measures in case I did get hurt. <laughs> uh, Abby, what was your major at uh, the North Carolina State University? Industrial and Systems Engineering. Okay, that's a lot better than any of the three of us on this, uh, <laughs> uh, any of the three of your podcast mates right now. None of us even know what that means, but um, <laughs> congratulations on your amazing college degree. Thank Far you. Far moreover, congratulations on your eight-pound, 3.6-kilogram, 200-yard sprint down a 48% incline. You emerged unscathed. You not only have your pride, but you have a trophy. You have, Oh, I also understand that uh, you were worried about maybe losing an oh, incisor yeah. or a molar or two. Your <laughs> smile is beautiful. You don't need to worry about such things. You don't need to go see any sort of, sort of orthodontia or Ortho corrective teeth people. <laughs> yeah. Dennis. <laughs> orthodontia uh, is just the general branches of teeth. 
reconstruction. What do they call it? What do they call it when people uh, it's like cosmetic teeth people? What do they call them? Um, I don't know. Industrial Dentist. ecological <laughs> I- engineers. <laughs> Abby, you're awesome. Thank you so much. Congratulations. Enjoy your amazing trek across Europe. And you need you let we we'll, we have people who design t-shirts. We're gonna make one for you. All right. We're gonna make a t-shirt that says, I am the queen of the cheese. We're raising awareness. <laughs> uh, Sounds great. Put I'll it on it. your LinkedIn, Abby. The first American woman to win yeah. the cheese roll. I do need to put it on my LinkedIn. I love being updated on my LinkedIn profile. It's a big deal. If you had any concern about landing a job when you get home from Europe, uh, that is should now be vanquished <laughs> because you're a celebrity. I mean, everybody's going to want to hire you in the great triangle of North Carolina. But if I needed a job, I would lead with that. I mean, I don't know anybody else who has that as the lead sentence on their on their uh, professional resume. I won the cheese rolling contest in Gloucester, England, uh, and and I can lift an eight pound cheese, and you cannot hire me now. Uh, thank you, Abby. You're amazing. Thank Love you. your Thanks, spirit. Abby. Thanks. Bye, guys. All right, we really appreciate Abby taking the time. Charles taking the time. Uh, I mean, my favorite part of the conversation with Abby, unfortunately, was uh, after we we left. Uh, she's become a celebrity over there. She's taking selfies. Her her goal now is we're going to get her on the Jimmy Fallon show. Her the highlight has been on the Jimmy Fallon show, but we need Abby to be interviewed on the Jimmy Fallon show. And I happen to know a couple. I don't know Jimmy Fallon, but Jimmy Johnson knows Jimmy Fallon. So let's do a whole line of Jimmys until we get to Jimmy Fallon. Her her uh, story, you know, she's not a college athlete. This isn't an NIL thing, but I, I think she's got a promotional tie-in with Amazon. She ordered, primed her ankle brace that helped her survive the tumble down the hill right away. Or, I mean, get her, like, Sargento, hit her up. Get, get, sponsor this woman. Like, let's go. And I also appreciate Velveeta. that after that, she went to the pub and people were buying her drinks as they should. They were. I. I know she's that a hero, was, man. I she's an American the, icon and a hero. I know that it was the well, platinum uh, jubilee for the queen, but uh, on Sunday she was the star. I appreciate yep. that she reestablished American dominance. Yank uh, comes over there and steals the show, baby. It's take, another, it. take another. Take another. How L. we do it. <laughs> That's how we do it. Uh, before we get out of here, Father's Day is coming quickly. And to get that special dad in your life the perfect gift, all you have to do is go to shop.outsider.com. That is shop, S-H-O-P, dot outsider.com. We have an array of hats. We, in fact, have six new varieties there. We have, like, gingham, I think it is. We have, I don't even know what all we have. We got lots of new hats. Y'all need to go on there and get one for dad. It's exactly what he wants. I'm a dad, I know. That's what I would want. Wesley's a dad. That's what he wants. You guys want to get in the outsider hoodie game, go to shop.outsider.com. Again, Father's Day's coming. Dad needs a gift, and we have exactly what you need. Shop.outsider.com. You can even send it to Wesley, and he'll autograph it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate you. Uh, This is the Marty Smith Podcast. We appreciate our law enforcement officials all over the country, keeping our community safe. Thank you so much to Fire and Rescue, EMTs, first responders. 
you guys do heroic deeds every single day. And speaking of heroes, the United States military. So full of gratitude for you guys because your sacrifice allows us to be free. What an amazing blessing. I am full of gratitude for freedom. Y'all have a great one. This is the Marty Smith Podcast. He's Wesley. He's Travis with all of his infinite wisdom. Y'all have a great week.